We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the international break, which means the only news that's really floating around right now is people opining on just how much of a kicking Saka should take. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Alex Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Yeah, I mean, uh, we got all kinds of angry old men talking about how in their day they'd put a reducer on Bukayo Saka. There was, uh, there was a segment on ESPN where they talked about how we should take a kicking, and there's all kinds of pundits talking about how we should take a kicking, and of course... Stephen Gerrard has has opined that he should take a kicking. Uh, a little bit on Celebration Gate, but I don't think we need to go into that. Uh, Tim has just written about that. A phenomenal article, actually, about we're not celebrating because we beat you. We're celebrating because of us. Try to keep that in focus. I will let you know that we are, uh, are going to have some fun stuff going on during the international break. Over on the Patreon side, we're going to try out a new thing where we analyze video of our own players' game involvement so that we can really dig into what they've been up to. So I put a poll out about which players we should do, and two of the players are just awesome, exceptional players that everybody knows are good, and two of the players are more of those controversial players, and I thought this would be easy. People pick controversial players, so we can really get stuck in. Nope, everybody picked the awesome players. <laughs> so I guess our first one is going to feature players we know are good, and we'll just get to watch them being good, which I guess that can be fun too. Um, we do have a very, very big um, fundraising effort that's going to be kicking off in about 10 days or so, and there'll be more news on that. There'll be an episode around that. And uh, we'll really dive into it. But unlike what we've done in the past, we're going to have some unbelievable things to give away uh, to people who give. So uh, stay tuned for that. And it will also come with the announcement of a live show in London that will be coming up and hopefully one uh, in other parts of the world as well in the not too distant future. That is 90 seconds or so of me, which is way too much me. So now I have to introduce the man who keeps here. His name is Clive Quine on Twitter, Clive BFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. And... Joining us on the main pod today is Scott. You can find him on Twitter. Oh, underscore that underscore crap. Hello, Scott. Yeehaw. Was that Yeehaw. Not, not, as, not as hot as I, I normally do? So normally when, when Scott does like the instant reaction pods, his yeehaw literally breaks the audio, and then I have to spend like 45 minutes trying to manipulate it. But he has, he has come with the professionalism today, my friends. We are going to do something today that has uh, heretofore only been done, I believe, on the Patreon pods. We're going to bring back a concept that any Longbridge request to come back 
called Would You Rather? Uh, it is a feature that I have brazenly stolen from the Arscast, but to be fair, it is football-related, not just like would you rather be beaten up by an octopus with one tentacle or a kitten with eight feet or you know whatever the case may be. That's actually a good one. Scott, which would you rather? Um, I think I'd rather face the cat. The cat with 10 feet instead of the octopus with one tentacle? Yeah, octopuses are just still kind of big and scary, so I think I'd I would probably pay. the cat. To be attacked by a kitten with 10 feet. Like, I think that would be just, like, cute as hell. Clive, do you have, do you have a fe- strong feeling either way? Uh, no. <laughs> you know that already. Won't even indulge. Won't even, won't even engage. Nope. Won't indulge, won't engage, won't play. Fine. Nope. Then, Clive, I guess I can start with you. Darwin Nunez coming to Arsenal. Uh, obviously, any transfer rumor you read in March is, uh, is true, is always true, and can never not be true. So how excited should we be that we are signing Darwin Nunez? Well, I get excited for every rumor, as you know, and uh, so, and uh, the, especially the ones that I know about, you know, the players I know about, and he's been linked to us for a year or so. We played against him in the Europa League, maybe last season or season before, and I was looking at him, and uh, did I stop looking at him? Could he need to win the game? <laughs> and so, uh, but I don't remember a massive impact. But when you watch it back, he did quite well against. Uh, I think it's Gabriel on the day. He did really well. So. Um, very tall, leggy. Not, I say very tall. Tall, leggy, quick, can post, can turn around, can drive, can carry, can score, use his head. He's from Uruguay, playing for Benfica, and they call him the next Cavani, and that, that's not a bad shout, right? So, um, uh, West Ham came in for him in January, fifty mil, rejected. Brighton have come in for him in the past, rejected. Price is 75 million euros if you read the papers. And so let's see. But nice player. Nice player. Mm. Uh, Scott, what does your spreadsheet say? Everybody's dying to know what the spreadsheet says. And, you know, that really translates well to this audio format, right? Um, basically, what it, basically, if I had to narrow it down to, you know, a couple sentences, it's that I think he's too good for uh, the Portuguese league. He just looks like he's a, a man amongst boys there, even though he himself is just a, a very young man, um, only you know 22 years old right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, he just really pops off. Um, three open play shots per 90, um, almost a 0.8 non-penalty XG per 90. Um, so those are the things that, you know, if we kind of looked at what we're missing in this team right now from our striker, um, those would be the things that kind of point out to you and say, yes, yes, I really want those. But I think he also has traits that, we also want to be able to see from our striker. Um, Clive touched on, you know, the physicality, being able to handle those kinds of things, be a focal point for our wide runners to be able to run off. I think those are things that he would definitely be able to excel at. Um, interesting thing, kind of looking at his touches, is that he also kind of plays from the left-hand side. Um, you know, that's one of the things that you kind of have to look at there. So get a little bit more of the, the inverted part to his game. But no, I think the, the stats really pop on him as a, a good potential player um there's always the question of how does that translate from a, a league like um portugal to the premier league um but i think that you know if the scouts get it right and they like him i i would be very excited about this mm. i think it's it's really hard for me because i like we have a very specific way we're playing with the striker we have right now and clive like like I look at Aubameyang at Barcelona, for example, and Xavi has sort of a positional football thing going on, a jugo de position kind of thing. And like, what I can't decide is, are there other types of strikers who this system could be very effective with, and we don't realize it because we're just watching one type of striker that it's effective with, or do we need to find a striker who does 
a lot of the stuff Lacazette does. Like I'm sort of torn, right? Because I see other positional systems that use different types of strikers. I see Manchester City where they don't really even have a striker. So do you have a strong opinion about the extent to which we want to try to create continuity with the guy we bring in and the style of how we're playing now, or if that might be just something that we're over-indexing because we've only ever, in this current iteration of the system, we've only ever really seen it with Lacazette. I think we've got used to Lacazette and we compared him to Aubameyang and we think this is the way we should be going. And so a lot of people like Jonathan David is quite close to Lacazette as a player. So, But my view is I, I look at attributes really more so than the type of player we need and, and there are attributes missing from the team. And for me, it's the ability to compete in duels in the central area. It's the ability to really affect two centre-backs and hold them. You know, I think that's important. I think we, as Scott was talking about the ability to link up with the wide men is one thing. We also need the ability to catch up the wide men you just linked with, <laughs> you know, and get, into, and get into the box. I think that's really important. So we have this sort of makeup in our mind of all the things we're missing based on what we're seeing and that we know we could be. I'm not sure if that's in one person. I'm not sure we want it in one person. So I have a I have a little theory that I do like a Nunes type, but that could easily be um, Calvert-Lewin. That could easily be Isaac. You know, any of the ones everyone knows about could easily be that player. But I also like the a wing forward. You know, I think a lot of goals are scored from the from the wing. So the player I always speak about, and, and a lot of the people follow me now. I'm going to say the name. There's a player called Cody Gakpo that plays in in Holland for PSV. And I think that type of wing forward that can do both jobs, you know, play from the left or the right, but primarily from the left, but also can play down the middle. And he's only 22, he's a vice-captain of PSV, and he's only going to get better physically. That sort of multi-positional forward alongside a true centre forward is the way I would go. Because then you could feed Balogun into the group and then there's a pathway for him as a false nine takeout or a or a from the left because he's also played time on the left. He's playing in the front two at the moment. So I think we all know what's missing. So we're trying to extrapolate that into one single player. And that's no, that's I'm doing the same thing, right? So, <laughs> but I think, I think we might, I think sometimes we might get disappointed, you know, if we if we put too many hopes on those attributes. So just got to wait and see. But I also feel the great job Lacazette is doing. I feel, and I've got to be honest and true to myself, that some of the things he's doing, and we're over-indexing. I think we can find that in other ways. So I really do. Mm. That that is. The fifty million pound question, or it could be a hundred million pound question, depending on who we buy. Scott, I mean, do you have a strong feeling one way or the other in terms of can this system look as effective with a striker who has a very different skill set? I think so. I mean, I mean, we we go to this quite often, but I look at Liverpool and what they have done in the transition from Firmino, who is a lot more in the mold of what Lacazette is doing to how they've gone to, to Jota, who is a lot more of a traditional scorer, less of a false nine type. And that system still works with it. Um, I mean, yes, it then calls for other players to step up and be able to take some more of that creative duty that Firmino used to do. But I don't think that there's any reason that Arsenal couldn't mold their system to do something similar with a different type of player. And I think one of the things that's going to be interesting is that, I mean, I think we need two strikers this year, right? I mean, if 
So it's either, you know, one of the players that we have now comes back, but we can't go in with one striker and then Balogun and that's it. Um, Especially if we're going to have Europe, right? So it's like, we have to get two guys. So it's okay if we kind of look for a couple different types of options, right? So then we can kind of give Arteta options to mix and match against the opponents or have something to change the game if we want to against an opponent being able to give people different looks and be able to have options, right? I think that's one of the things that we we really like to look at is give hybrid players chances to be able to try different roles, be able to do different things. I think Nunez is also interesting in the sense that, you know, if we, we get another striker there, like if we, you know, say have an injury or something like that, he's been played out on the left so he could be another left forward type you know if we you know need to um you know see something like that be able to interchange with martinelli out there do those kinds of things or yeah i just i like players that are able to do different roles and that's one of the things i think that kind of attracts me to to nunez and i think that's kind of the things that um i think arteta wants to be able to see from his players being able to do different things be able to interchange be able to play kind of that total football understand the different positions that you need to be on the pitch and be smart out there yeah i clive yeah yeah i was going to when scott was talking i was i just started to think really he also depends yeah, I how did the same we- thing. By the way, I find it really hard to listen. To <laughs> uh, I started to think. <laughs> no, based on what you were saying, I, I think uh, it's like where do, where do we want to go next in this project? Right, I think that's the question that's going through my mind. Right, so and how do you want to develop? So, what skill sets do you want to develop? Do you want to in- develop intelligence? Do you want to in- you know develop mobility? Liverpool went mobility wise with Diaz and and Jota. Do you know what I mean more mobility? on top of all the mobility that they have and the brains that they have. So are we going to go intelligence? Are we going to go mobility? Are we going to go size? Are we going to go wing forward? Are we going to go English? Right, There's two young English players in Calvert-Lewin and Rashford. Don't shoot me. I'm just calling it out. Right, What's, what's the next phase of the project? What's it going to be? I think it's going to be so interesting to see what we develop in centre midfield and a centre forward because they could be like banner players. You know, project banner players. And I think it's going to be really, I'm so excited for it actually to see how we fall. Or are we going to go unknown, completely unknown? Are we going to go South American, bringing a South American star, giving our contacts out there? There is so many directions we could go. You know, I, I'm, I almost can't wait for the tramp to win their trope up. You know what I'm like? I think mm. it's going to be so interesting to see which direction we go. You heard, you heard it here first. Clive, not a fan of the football, fan of the transfer. <laughs> because we've had all these cup finals right and it's just it, it weighs on you with all the stress of every match right you know you kind of look forward to you know being able to put your hopes and dreams right yeah i, yeah. I live in the horizon right i live in the horizon <laughs> and the horizon is what we're going to do next i mean we know we've got a game coming that's not going to change but what we're going to do next you know, how are we going to develop this squad that's the bit that interests me All right. Well, the bit that's going to interest you is over because we're going to get into a segment you're going to hate because, Clive, there really isn't an ability to talk around what I'm asking. You have to answer the questions as they're asked. Uh, I I call this segment Clive's torture, but you may call it Would You Rather. And this has been a fun thing that we've done in the past, but it's been a long time. So I'm glad to bring it back. Um, Don't worry. There will be some really, really bad Manscaped transition in this as well, I assure you. Uh, But we're going to start Scott, with you, since you're more inclined to go directly into what I'm asking, and, and, and we got to show Clive that, that this is not optional. Would you rather sell Bukayo Saka in five years, but we keep the Saka, Smith Rowe, Odegaard, Martinelli group together, 
or sell Martinelli right now, but we keep Saka for his entire career? So again, you can you can keep the whole crew together right now, but in five years you're selling Bukayo Saka, and presumably for market rate, or you can keep Saka his whole career, but you have to sell Martinelli right now for whatever he's worth. I want the five years of the whole group together. I think that's I that's think where I'm I going. I agree. Here. Yeah, um, I mean, painful as it would be to lose Saka, right? Like we've gone through that pain before, but we could achieve some exciting things in five years with this group, couldn't we? Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I'm going to. Right? I mean, it, it would absolutely suck because you know, five years from now, Saka is going to be right at the peak of his powers and it will absolutely yeah, 25 suck. years old absolute best player in the world and you're selling him yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah but it's, it's also it's like if he does get to that that means we had you know five really good years with him at arsenal and i think that that is something that potentially could lead to some silverware um you know maybe some some really fun times um and part of it is also it's like I have really high hopes and expectations for Martinelli. So it would really, really hurt me to sell him now without even having some of the chance of capturing some of that upside. Um, to me, it's like that, that five years of this group together. I, I just see the next three years as they grow with their understanding with each other as just potential for really, really fun times. And yeah, I, I I don't want to miss out on that with Martinelli leaving now. Um, yeah, it's but yeah, no, it's, I, it's it's not an easy answer. Well, I think the other thing is you have to look at squad building in cycles, right? And so within five years, I think you may be looking at an end of a cycle in the sense that Mikel Arteta might be ready to go if he hasn't gone already, right? Because coaches these days don't stay twenty years like they used to. Um, some of those other players may want out within five years and, you know, maybe, a, a Gabriel's ready to go or, or a, a Tomiyasu's moving on or whatever the case may be, you know, Thomas party will have needed to have been replaced by that point. But if you can sell Saka for a hundred million, you get yourself a heck of a jumpstart to the next cycle. Um, not that I'm saying you want to do it, but it might just be time. I think I agree. Not getting to see what Martinelli could be in an Arsenal shirt would be would be painful. Clive, what are you doing? Are you selling Sack in five years after we've won the treble three years in a row? Or are you keeping him for his career and saying goodbye to our, uh, our Cristo Redento statue of, of Gabriel Martinelli? Yeah, I thought of, I'm, I sort of agree with you, but I'm going to go the other way just for, just okay. for content. I saw it. Cause I, I do think the Academy players are priceless. And I think they represent so much. And if you find one that's that good, that doesn't happen very often in your history. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think he's the best player Arsenal have ever produced. You know, and I think mm. because of how he plays, where he plays, how he behaves, what he does, I think he's the best player I've ever produced. Positionally, he can play almost anywhere. And he's still developing, not even side. And I think the, the watching world is trying to work him out. So the first time he absolutely said just a little thing about being protected, bang, let's get you let's get you into a little profile box, shall we? Let's call you a softie. You need to get 16 operations before we can respect you. Do you know what I mean? It's so interesting watching gonna be watching him develop. But to Arsenal, I think he's um priceless. Uh so there is that opinion of which I do share. And so um but yeah, I understand the logic behind what you guys were saying. Yeah, well, I, I, look, I'm not going to cry if I have to keep Bukayo Saka for his entire career. That's for sure. And, I mean, there are players that are so valuable 
and mean so much to the club that you, you really can't replace them. I mean, I look at Tottenham. They, they developed Harry Kane. They kept Harry Kane. And look what they've managed to do with that. They've achieved absolutely nothing. Important to mention that. Um, okay, Clive, you ready? Yep. Here we go. Would you rather... Now, in both of these scenarios, we're getting St. Totteringham's Day. We're finishing above Spurs, okay? So would you rather we finish above Spurs, finish fifth this season, but win next season's Europa League, or finish fourth and qualify for the Champions League, getting knocked out in the group stage? Finish fourth. Yeah, I think I think that would be good. Cause so fourth is not just like a trophy, it's better than a trophy is what you're saying. Yeah, I, 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 it's, I think it'd be good for the progression. And I think, again, I, I had this sneaky hope for it, but didn't expect it. But I think that there's a challenge for Arsenal to manage Europe you know, the Europa League, I think it's a challenge for us. And I just want to get into the Champions League. And scheduling-wise, it just it just feels a bit easier for some reason. So, yeah, I think I would definitely go for fourth because I think these players want it. I think they really want it. If they get it, I think they'll grow with us and I think others will want to grow with us. I think it's the right time. We have a good group. If we can layer on them with the Champions League as a carrot I would think that's the most important thing for the football club, in my opinion. Mm. What, what do you? I, and I tend to agree, Clive, because look, there is also the point. Since you like transfers more than you like football, no one knows what's going to happen in the future except us playing this "Would You Rather" game going into this summer, recruiting with a Champions League budget and recruiting with Champions League prestige. It is a particularly critical juncture. Easier to re-sign Saka. Easier to get the striker and the number eight we might need. Um, I, I just think it makes a lot of the things we need to do to take the next step in the progression easier. Um, but again, Scott, I'm offering you an actual European trophy, and Clive doesn't want it. He just wants his top four because it's like a trophy. Do you want the actual trophy? So I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and you know say that yeah I'm gonna take the the fourth place, getting knocked out of the group stage, but we drop down to the Europa League and win it anyway. So I'm going to just oh, take no. that as the way that I want. You, you don't. You don't get that up. That's not an option. You're a jerk. That was smart. You're very smart. Fine. Arsenal get knocked out in the round of 16 of the Champions League. There you go. I, I still take that. Like, right? like old times, nostalgia. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're right. It is. It is like old times, and that that's where we want to get back to. Right. I think we we all saw you know the Europa League and nobody really liked it um it it threw off our our schedule of what we want to be we don't want to be a Thursday Sunday team anymore right we want to be a team that plays a Tuesday and Wednesday nights and I I think that as we take a step for what our, our ultimate goals are it's not to win the Europa League it's to challenge for the Premier League it's to challenge for you know the very best of Europe in the Champions League so it's like, yeah, winning a European trophy, Europa League, I, I would celebrate that so, so, so much. But that's not where the goal of the team is, right? So, yeah, that's where I lean towards. Our, we're, we're looking for our progression of where we want to be, the prestige that comes with being in the Champions League, the, you know, the draw, the ability to keep our players. To be able, I mean, because I think that's probably going to be one of the, the more important ones as, you know, we're trying to fend off people coming for our young stars is to be able to offer them being able to play in the biggest stage and be able to do that with Arsenal. So I think that is probably more important for the next step for Arsenal right mm. now. 
Agreed. Agreed. I think yeah. just as to, I'll go on that again, Elliot. I think last year was a development year for us with these young players and Europa League. You used to develop certain players and maybe develop a, a willet to sell, shall we say? And um, but this year was always about repositioning. So that's why I was fine about being outside of Europe this year. But you reposition to get back into the top competition. You reposition to rebuild the badge, and that means get back to the top com- competition. So. Look, I thought it would take two years, and it still may do, but that process of repositioning is the absolute priority of, of the Bears, and I think if we do that by being on the big show, right? And that's the Champions League. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, do, can I ask you just separately, Clive? Let's just let's say it's not a would-you-rather. How okay. big is the Europa League as a trophy? Like, I mean, I really struggle with this, right? Because it's a trophy, it's a European trophy, but it's basically the trophy that says... You're not good enough. Like so, in in America, there's March Madness, the NCAA tournament going on right now. Yeah. Then there's this other tournament called the NIT, and it's literally only teams that didn't get into the real one. And I always felt like winning that is like you're the least biggest joke of the jokes. Like kind of, I mean, how how do you how do you view a, a Europa League trophy? Because I don't really even know how to prioritize it. I, I think the Europa League is, is a little bit too big, shall I say, for me. Mm. There's too many teams in it, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think, but if you look at some of the quality of teams, they're really good. It wasn't always this way. There seem to be really good teams in it now. And if you ask Villarreal how they feel about Europa League, well, they're in the Champions League last eight, is that right? And yeah. so they've used that tournament to get to the last, you know, last eight in the big show. So I think it's got, it's well set, it's well positioned. I just think there's too many games. The price you pay to get to a semi-final or a final for your league season is just too great. I mean, West Ham, I know, hopefully, from an Arsenal perspective, have done great stuff the last couple of years, and their club is really focused on Europa League. They can't. They play Europa League game against Seville, and two and a half days later, they're playing Spurs away. It's just not right. You know, it's just not sustainable. And, they, and Spurs chin them early in the game, you know, and so... You, you can't you can't compete properly, you know. So it, it becomes it detracts from you. So yeah, I think it's the prize is great, right? The Champions League that's the prize, and um, but the the price you pay is, is too big, for my opinion. And I think it's yeah. interesting. So I think they've they've made some changes to try to address the number of teams. So I think it's now with the the Conference League, right? I think it's the same number of teams at the group stage as the Champions League. And I kind of like the the change that they also did with the teams that come dropping down from the Champions League. There's a, a playoff between those teams and the the guys that finished second. Um, and I think that's nice. So it gives you a break for the teams that win their groups and do those things. So yeah, I, you're right. It is the the games were the things that always killed us, right? Because you had an extra round of 32 before you got to a round of 16 so that was two extra really high stakes kind of games and you know right when you you know you didn't need that in february right mm. i've always felt if there's one thing that's ruining football it's the games if they got rid of that we we'd be set you could just talk about stuff <laughs> yeah. i mean I'm, I'm here that's basically what we're doing today let's be honest um all right you ready you ready for a good one scott i'll let you take first bash at this all right i'm ready Look, I should have given Clive the first bash because it's his favorite thing. It's not about football. It's about transfers. Um, this summer we signed Erling Holland, but no other signing period, no incomings whatsoever for three consecutive windows. Or this summer we signed Tammy Abraham and Husa Mawar, and we can just have our normal business as we see fit going forward. 
Oh man. Um, I'm going to take uh, Holland because I, I, I really bet on ceiling and I think that he might be the, the second best player or at least probably the, the future second best striker. Cause I think Mbappe um, is the clear number one, but I think uh, the Holland has the potential to be that, that number two ish type and be in that debate, um, you know, it's probably going to be for the next decade, right. If you know, who's better between those two. So I, I would like to see that on Arsenal, even if it, it comes at the expense of maybe, you know, not addressing some of the other issues for, so that's three full windows. So we can't sign no, no more signings until what January of 2024. Is that what you're, you're, you're saying here? Well, it's, so it would be the January, the summer and the January. So, oh, so, the not, so until the next yeah, summer, summer of 2024. Of 2020, 2024 yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Right. I mean, you kind of look at the team and, we need a backup right back. We need probably a, a, another midfielder if we're going to be in the Champions League. Could we get by for a full calendar year of not having it just to, to get Holland in there who might be the clear striker? I, I think that's where I'm going to go. It's it's obviously comes at a, a trade off, right? But I want the I want the the sweet sweet goals that you'd provide. It is such a testament to the amazing work the club has done in a really short period of time to make us feel like we have enough young upside and depth that we could take one player this summer, albeit a phenomenal player, go three windows without another signing and probably make that work. I think that is a real testament to what we've done because you're like, well, we've got Saliba in waiting. Tavares is there. If something happens to Tierney, you know, White could always shift. And, and I guess in this world, theoretically, you just pull Saliba back in so you have some depth at center back. And, you know, you got Martinelli could probably play striker in games Holland doesn't play. And you still have Pepe behind Saka. Like, it, it is it is like a pretty impressive thing. Now... Yeah, the, the one worry is the midfield, right? Because it's like we, we got two guys in, in Jacka and Party who are, you know, starting to get towards those the age curve, right? Where it's like, can they, can they last look. a full another year? I guess, yeah, with, you know, you got Sambi behind them and then it's, you know, some some kids. I think that's fine. I, I can make that work. Uh, the pro- I, It's hard for me to say because I've never believed in age curves as a thing, but I can understand how if you did, you might be inclined to talk that way. Clive, he says, uh, unironically... Are you taking Holland or are you taking Tammy and Awar and, and keeping our business rolling as, as planned? Well, I'm not sure I'm taking Tammy and Awar, but I'm taking... Right, how about the, this? You can, take, you can take a center forward and an eight who are of that caliber roughly, right? So you can't be like, well, I'll just take Mbappe and, you know, <laughs> Chouameni or whatever. No, it's, it's got to be, you know, th- there's a little bit of warts on it, right? It's not quite perfect. Which yeah, you- sort of arsenal level signings. Yeah, I know what you mean. But oh, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm Just the, drag I'm, the club through the mud left and right. This guy. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the pragmatist. Even like right? watching him play. Uh, <laughs> like the players or things. Uh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm the pragmatist. I, I want to build. I've, I've just sat watching against Liverpool and looking at the strength of benches, and we need to get stronger. It's as simple as that. So, um, and people on those benches are in the last year of their contract. So, for me, I go the pragmatist route. I build the squad appropriately with the right specifics. I was going to say the other word, but I can't say it. The right specifics <laughs> and that we need to build on what we already have and you know, put the layer behind the, the top layer or maybe improve the layer, the top layer. And the top, some of the top layer has to fall down because that's what we're trying to do. You know, so. I would go that way. And plus, I've seen a lot of TV recently of watching Dortmund and, and Haaland's been in street clothes. So people can pick up injuries. 
particularly Stephen Gerrard wants something to do with it. So, yeah, so yeah he it's, would prefer uh, they pick up injuries if, if he had his So team. I prefer the, uh, the the multiple players, shall we say. See, my, my thing is I think that if you have generational talent, like players that can be literally the best in the world, like if you can have a Messi or you can have a Ronaldo in their pomp, you don't need much else to win stuff. And if you think Holland could be that, I think he could be that. And you've got guys in Smith Rowe, Saka, Martinelli, where one or two of them could also be that. Like the rest of the guys can kind of be seven out of ten, six out of ten players, and still get you a hell of a long way. Um, so I, I, was, I, I will just say that Tottenham are a good counterexample to your point. They had a Harry Kane, who was probably the best striker in the Premier League, and like we like to say, how much did they win? They didn't win anything. I want to be clear, they didn't win anything. But like. They had the most success. Here's, here's the thing, two things. First, they had the most success in their uh, history of color televisions. So they did enjoy a period of relative success for their tiny, pathetic little club. Um, and they probably, they had some talent flowing in and out, but I'm not sure they ever had anything quite as elite uh, as what we're looking at. Plus, they obviously never had an elite manager. They had that joke, uh, Mauricio Pochettino, who is a serial choker. Um, all right, here's a would you rather uh, Scott, you know what? No, Clive, I'll, I'll give this to you. Would you rather go through your life extremely hirsute around your privates or never have the proper talent for your business? You mean I, I'm muted for that? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the good news, Clive. You don't have to choose. You can be both shaven and have the proper talent for your business if you just engage with our sponsors. That's right. Spring has sprung. And it's time for some spring cleaning in your pants, it says here. You can be a pube assassin, it also says here. Good. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, it's time to clear out the winter bush and join the 4 million men who trust Manscaped. Use promo code ArsenalVision to get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. Global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped had the Lawnmower 4.0. It's part of their Performance Package 4.0. You get the Lawnmower Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Deodorant, the Toner, the Boxer Briefs, and the Travel Bag. All of that is in the Performance Package 4.0. We already know everything about the lawnmower, but the Weed Whacker is an elite trimmer for nose and ear hair with proprietary skin-safe technology on that as well. The uh, deodorant and moisturizer moisturizer is for that specific part of your body. So, you know, you don't uh, wind up with parts of your body sticking to other parts of your body. That That's not a good thing. You don't want that to happen. You've got the toner, which keeps you smelling fresh all day long. All that plus the boxers and the shed travel bag. Go for it. Get the performance package 4.0 right now at manscaped.com. Promo code Arsenal Vision 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com. Promo code Arsenal Vision 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Now, you're shaved. You're beautiful. Your life is good. But your business needs the best talent. Oh, you're going to sit in front of a computer for hours and hours and hours all day searching multiple jobs. No, you're not. You wouldn't do that because you're smart. Because you're going to use Indeed. When you're starting a championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best talent. We were just talking about that. And with Indeed, you can build a dynasty faster. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because it's the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. The only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites. Get the one powerful hiring partner that helps you do it all. They have great tools like Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post... You get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Okay, so I mean, you're talking about saving time, getting better uh, quality candidates, and then hiring the best talent. 
Saving you a lot of time, though. That's key. Hey, by the way, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 job credit. That's right, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need to decline for that number that. Indeed. Indeed. What well, happens it. if Clive ever says, no, I want more? <laughs> then I'll do more. Do you think I won't do more? Do you, do, you, do you think I won't do more? Please don't say that, Scott. <laughs> All right, let's do more. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do it. But, Clive, would you rather sign Saliba to a brand new five-year deal this summer on peak wages or sell him this summer for 40 million pounds? Uh, we say peak wages. What are you talking about? Normal wages, like the, to fit the group. One hundred and fifty. One hundred and seventy. Well, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> There's no need when Ben White. Because White's I make 10. the rules. The question is: Do you want to gamble on his talent with a big wage, or do you want to sell him? If the wage is one hundred and fifty, then I would sell. Because I don't okay. think a twenty-year-old center. Why do you hate William Saliba? <laughs> I don't think a twenty-year-old center back should be should be getting that. Um, but I do think he's a he's a a super talent. I did have a message with James online the other day, and he's watched him at the weekend, didn't he? So I'm interested to see that article when it comes out, if it's not out already, because he would have some unique insight as to how he's moving. I have a little worry about him. I think he's, his leg cadence is a little bit slow, but mm. although he's not slow, he's got I'm heavy legs. And uh, he spends a bit too much time on the floor, and he's running. But hey, that's just me in my eyes. But um, but yeah, he's a, he's a, he looks a great talent to me. So for twenty, he's incredible. I read that he's so one of the most experienced twenty-year-old centre backs in the in Europe on games mm. played. So that's that's amazing. So, but if you're saying one fifty, then I'd say no, nah, it doesn't really fit us because that puts him above everybody else. So I would sell for 40, but I don't think we're going to sell. So I think we're going to keep him. What about you, Scott? Are you going to put him on a premium wage for five years? Are you going to sell him for 40 million? I mean, right? Because I think there's some knock-on effects if you do that, right? Because that means, you know, Ben White and, you know, to Gabriel. To be fair, this is sort of the, the question that Arsenal faced this summer. Maybe not yeah. at 150, but it, this is the question. Right, because I mean, I think they're going to, you know, they're going to see, all right, this guy who's just coming in is on more than we are. So they're going to want to, you know, renegotiate theirs. So I think, you know, there's some, some knock on effects and, you know, it is the stuff of, you know, keeping your wage structure, how you want it to be. Cause I think there is questions. I, I do. I'm excited for Saliba and I really do want to see him come back, but I don't know. The, the current partnership is, is very settled. So it's like, is he going to come in right away and be a starter? I, I'm not a hundred percent sure of that. Um, I, I mean, if that is the case and he earns it, you know, that's great. But I don't think that, you know, he comes back and he's a assured, that starting position, I think that, you know, that's something that he would have to, with his performances, displace one of the two players that we have. Um, I'm hopeful that, you know, next year we have enough game time to where, you know, that's not going to be a problem where we're going to have to try to balance, you know, figuring out how to get him enough minutes. Cause I think that will not be an issue because we're going to have Europe next year and we're going to have, you know, some better cup runs and do those kinds of things. So I think there's definitely going to be enough minutes for him to be able to play and to try to earn his spot as a starter. But if, if that's the, you know, the, the cost of him coming back, I think that 40 million is probably a good enough transfer fee 
to you know make a profit and see we we might you know maybe we come down to regret that but i mean 40 million for a 20 year old is a very good business and i i would have to lean towards that over blowing up the wage structure i think that's sensible so let me give you another would you rather that is related to this topic but a little different would you rather lose william saliba this summer for a nominal amount like you know nominal but you get a fully engaged, ready to fight for his place, team player, Matteo Ganduzi back. <laughs> or lose Ganduzi, but you got to sign Saliba to a new deal and he comes back. I, man, uh, I, I, my, my feelings on Ganduzi are known. I, I love the player, but I, I feel like that ship has completely sailed. And I just I, I don't imagine how, even if he's fully engaged and he's ready to buy in, that he's... I just well one I think that's unrealistic to actually have that expectation. So I, I would rather see Gwenduzi go, and I, I think it's it's like the bombing thing, right? It's like it was a, a sucky, messy breakup, but I think both parties are in better situations. I think Gwenduzi is in that same spot right now, right? Um, I think he's really enjoying his time at Marseille. Uh, I think he's he's showing kind of his skills that he's doing. I think he fits well with the French league, so. To me, I think I think it's why I mess with a, a good thing right now, right? So I'd say, Gwenduzi, thank you, and you know, have fun in Marseille. Clive, I I I know you well enough to know you want Mateo Mateo Gwenduzi back at the club as quickly as possible. So you want to just give that as your answer? <laughs> Whatever option that that I heard with a one win Gwenduzi was away from the club is the option I have. I don't care what's on the other side. I I don't understand <laughs> it. I don't. I don't. I, I watched the player, and I, you know, there was when he first came in. I loved him, and as I've learned more about the game, I realise there's more than <laughs> there's more sides to it, and um, I'm afraid it doesn't work for me. And um, do, do you rate? Do you rate? Like, let, let's say attitude issue. I mean, look, you can't say attitude issues aren't a thing. Like, and we've seen them destroy careers. We've seen them destroy French careers. Um, do you rate the player? I think when you look again. I know you read it. Uh, when you look at where he plays, what he does from out on that left side coming in with his right foot, you can picture him playing on our left pod. No problem at all. You can just picture it. That is but, what I was picturing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, I don't think he's robust enough. I don't think he's too way enough. I don't. One thing that I really am big on and I think when you see it go wrong, like at Manchester United at the moment, you know how it affects how a team is viewed. And it's how it's it's what you transmit in your game, what you transmit to the crowd, or what you transmit to your teammates. That's got to be spot on. It's got to be in alignment with everybody else. And when I watch him play, all I see is him. I see him playing for him. That's what I see, you know? And um and so I just, I immediately just go. Mm, that's not for me. Yeah, I, I almost cut, I almost block off some of his talents, maybe. And I'll hold my hands up because people like Scott, who I respect, like him, right? So, but for me, I don't want players anywhere near the club that think about themselves first. That's just how I'm wired. I'm afraid. No, I think yeah, that's yeah. a good point, right? Because it's like I, you can obviously the talent is obvious there, right? But it's it was never the question of talent for him. That is, yeah, it's it's been all the other stuff. And I think, you know, kind of seeing how he's playing for Marseille in that left eight, that is things that kind of cover up for the weakness of his some of his positional play, some of his 
optional defending kind of things. And yeah, so like those were kind of, you know, the things that had the questions about him. So it's like, yeah, I could definitely see where he could fit into an Arsenal team and how you could get the best out of him. But yeah, I, I we've seen kind of now the soft factors, soft factor stuff and how that affects the team. And you can see that these are a bunch of nice lads that like playing together. And I think there's something to that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I buy, I buy that. And like, you know, it's hard to argue with results, right? So it is what it is. Let, let's move on. All right, Scott, this is a hard one. I think Lacazette gets injured over the international break and Eddie and starts every game the rest of the season or Saka gets injured over the international break and Nicola Pepe plays starts every game the rest of the season. Um, I'm in a, I don't know how Lacazette gets injured, um, but may, maybe he, you know, in, in Arsenal training, some, you know, putting, on, putting on his Timberlands, Clive would say, yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to take that one. Um, I, I think Saka is just our, our best player and I, I just don't see yeah, to me the importance and just his high floor for Saka, what he's able to do. Cause even if he has an off game, it still feels like it's he does productive things he really helps the team do stuff but then when he's on the top of his game he is very very good and it's just i've watched pepe be so inconsistent that you don't know if you're gonna get what first the 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 wolves pepe where he just looked like a man possessed and he did something amazing or you're gonna get the Pepe that we've seen come on in the last couple times where he's come on for subs. Yes, to build a Pepe where he looked like a man possessed, but literally possessed like by the devil. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I know I just, I can't, I, to me, it's like that risk is a lot higher. It's like, I, and I think in Kenya is a, uh, not as good as Lacazette, but I think that he can do similar things. And I, I think that he doesn't have the, the same kind of, I'm just going to completely disappear and see him like I'm actually playing for the other team kind of levels. Um, so yeah, I think that's where I lean. I am. Yeah. I, I don't even think it was particularly hard to make that choice. Hmm. Would it be harder if I said, um, Saka injured and Pepe plays or party injured and Samby plays? Is that a harder one? I think so. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think it's really hard to put that burden that we've, put on to uh, party right now onto Samby, right? Cause it's like, I don't think that there's a, a player on Arsenal besides Thomas party. Who's able to basically be a one man shield for our defensive um, back four. And I think he's been absolutely amazing. And it's been a, a relevation rele- rev- revelation. I don't know. But yeah, it's like, I, I, I think that's the a really hard question. So I think that one, unfortunately I'd say, I'm sorry, Saka, but you're going to have to spend some time on the trainer's table. Yeah. All right, Clive. Uh, why don't you do the first one and then the second one? Is there either scenario where you'd pick the Saka injury or no? Nope. So you you would live with both Enkedia starting every game and uh, Sambi Lukonga starting every game? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. That's tough. <laughs> not both. It's one of the – you're yeah, not both. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well my, – My thing with the Enkedia one, I know – so I know Scott dismissed that one as easy, but here's what I would say, right? Pepe on his day is pretty close to Saka median. But Pepe isn't on his day enough. But in Kenya and Lacazette, like, I don't think our team can function the way it functions within Kenya. And that, like, I think with Pepe, you could still have a facsimile of what we're doing right now. I'm not sure you could within Kenya. So that's why I thought it was a closer one. But Clive, go for it. No, no, you, you, that's, 
you are um, where I was going when Scott was talking originally. I was thinking, well, actually, let's just talk about the quality. Another of thing the, you were doing while Scott was talking, fair, yeah. totally fair. What do you think about his answer? Right, so I was thinking about the quality of the backup. So I'm with you. I thought Pepe is a better player than Inketia is. But then Scott spoke about Saka ceiling, and I went, oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> so, like, um, so, yeah, but I'm sort of, my original thought was, my original emotion was, yeah, keep, um, you know, Pepe's the better player, so that's the better option for the team. But, hey, you know, I don't like these questions, Elliot, so I'll just... That's, I'll that's just, literally why we're doing it. That's yeah, can, can I just defer well, that one? <laughs> I think it's – look, I mean, I think this is the point, right? It, it's always about the delta, the drop-off, and the stylistic change, right? So, like, if you go from Saka to Pepe, there are going to be games where you almost don't notice the drop. But there are going to be games where it's tremendously noticeable. And that's a credit not to Saka's elite talent versus Pepe's, but his elite consistency. What I will say – Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Sorry, mate. I was going to say, what I will say is – I think we're asking Pepe to be certain things at the end of games, and then we're judging him in those scenarios. So when he comes on, we're behind against Wolves, and he turns up and plays brilliant for 25 minutes. That's his level. He should be playing, blah, blah, blah. When he comes on late in games, either close out a game or a game where we're just basically resting somebody, we're then expecting to play like the Wolves game, where there's maybe less on it. Do you know what I mean? And I think my issue with Pepe is not his talent, it's his mental engagement. The day against Wolves, he was engaged, and then we saw his talent. The other day, he was patchy in engagement, and we saw the deficiencies. And people say he's inconsistent. I think there is a player in there, and maybe not for Arsenal, but the team that trusts him and mentally can get consistent engagement to extract his talent is going to get the best from him. And I'm not sure that's us, given the competition that he faces. Mm. Um. Yeah, this is an interesting thing, right? And this actually has kind of a tricky squad-building component to it, Scott, because, like, when I think about this question, what do you want in your squad? Do you want lots of fungible players who are pretty good, or do you want starters who are absolutely elite with the understanding that if they're out, there's a big drop-off? Now, I tend to opt for the latter. I want the the absolutely elite guys in the starting 11 when let the chips fall where they may if they're not available. But, like, the funny thing is, of all the guys we've got on the bench in reserve for players, Smith-Rowe and Martinelli are close in, in quality. The next two that you'd say are close in their elite quality is probably Pepe and Saka. Yeah. It's just that they're not close consistently. And I, I do think that's the difference. But you see where I'm going with this, right, Scott? That like, like, going from Lacazette to Enkedia, for me, you've got to, I mean, you've got to change what you do. I, I don't see how you do the same stuff. No, I agree with that and, and see that. And to me, it's like if, if Saka is out for an extended period of time, I think it wouldn't be just Pepe. I think we would see some some rotation of, you know, Martinelli on that right side. We'd see more Smith Rowe being able to try to give more cover for that. And I think that's something that we'd be actually more prepared to handle um, than if, you know, we lost our, our main striker. Because, you know, mm-hmm. as much as, you know, we we like Eddie and Kedia. Like if we're, we're kind of thinking about the level of teams that he's going to go to in the summer, it's mid table or it's lower. But I think if, you know, we are oh, like, slower than that. Yeah. It's lower yeah. That. <laughs> um, so I think if, you know, and if we're looking at, if, if we were to have to sell Pepe, you know, the level of teams is probably higher. I mean, I think that as much as his, 
stock has fallen among you know his his overall reputation i still think it's probably at a higher level than eddie and Kenny. i don't think that's a going out on a limb type of statement so um yeah i think that's kind of a, a good point to make I, I just i really like watching saka play and it would really offend me to to not have him in the team uh, well i agree with that no one's gonna disagree with that all right i've got a really really easy one for you clive you ready yep you must follow Spurs home and away for an entire season. Attend all their matches home and away. You got to do the whole thing. Got to wear the kit. Sit with the, <laughs> the other option is, so I'm having no, that. <laughs> no. But, but Arsenal win the title that season. Or you get a free season ticket to the Arsenal home and away, but they finish second. Oh, well, mate. Whatever the other option is, right? So, um... I'm not having. I am not. I, I'm not going to that ground, no matter what. I'm just not going. It. I'm not. I'm you wouldn't do it for a title, huh? For yeah, a title, man. we haven't won the title since 2004. Yeah, it's, all, it's going on 20 years, 18 years. You yeah, we'll, the title we'll get there. What about the rest of us? See, this is this is where philanthropy is an important thing to consider because by you doing this. You're giving me a title and Scott a title and all the other Arsenal fans a title. You selfish SOB. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I'm sorry, people. It can't be done. Uh, it's a part of the world I just don't find myself feeling comfortable in. It's simple as that. And uh, so, you know, I can't do it. I mean, I, I hear you. I hear you. Look, I'm not saying it'd be anyway. fun. <laughs> it's, it's I'm not saying it'd be fun. But think about this. First of all, you'd get to watch a lot of sad Spurs fans a lot of time. Because first of all, it'd be an Arsenal title winning season. Spurs would certainly bottle a lot of games. You would be having the time of your life watching them be miserable at games while Arsenal winning a title. There's also something else you haven't factored in here. This is important. There's every possibility that, first of all, you get to see two Arsenal Derby wins right? If it's a title season for Arsenal. And also there's the outside chance you get lucky. And that second Derby win is at Spurs stadium where Arsenal win the title at Spurs ground. So maybe just maybe it turns out to be a wonderful season for you, but you are doing it as a philanthropic enterprise to win the rest of us a title. So Scott, have you plugged into the philanthropy? You're saying, no, screw the rest of the Arsenal fans like Clive has. You're not going to Spurs stadium home and away. I think I would do it. It would suck, but I mean, you'd get to go to, you know, you get to go to the nice stadium, you know, the toilet bowl every once in a while and be able to see those. Kinds Their of beers do fill from the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll take that and suffer through for one season to get, I mean, I guess if, can I, can I make one, you know, cheat again, right? Yeah. Arsenal win the league at their stadium and I get to celebrate. All right. Them. How about that? If I give you that Clive, does it change your mind? No, because then you probably get beaten up, right? So uh, <laughs> you're, you're in a first shirt. Who are you going to get beat up by? Uh, well, I'll be laughing, right? So it'll be obvious. <laughs> so, yeah, you're gonna have to wear a mask or something. <laughs> uh, I'm hard to miss, right? So like, no, I think um, I think uh, no, I'm not doing it, people. I'm not doing it. I don't care. I don't care. Mm. Yeah. All right. So we know what Clive now. I mean, listeners now know what Clive thinks of your happiness. So look, let me just stand up and be the one who says, no, I'm not doing it either. I'm going to the Arsenal for second place. (laughs) Fuck that. I'm not not putting on that shirt. I'm not going to that ground. I'm not watching that team. Because here's the other problem, right? You'd be unable to watch most Arsenal games depending on the scheduling. So like it'd be a title season that you saw very little. I mean, I guess you could always watch the replay or I could tune in for the rewatch with Clive and whatever Arsenal fan was doing it for our Patreon since I'd be uh, uh, obviously excommunicated as a Spurs fan. No, I don't know if I could do it, but Scott, you're going to do it. So I'll send you, you go win us the title. Does that sound fair? It sounds fair. I'll gladly do that and take one for the team today. 
Perfect. All right. This was fun. I think we covered everything there is to cover. We will have um, a patron pod tomorrow. We'll have the the scouting stuff I talked about for our own players. We'll scout our own players for a change. Kept it quick and light today. Hope you enjoyed it. This was a lot of fun. I thought. I know Clive hated it. He's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. I want to know how you come up with these questions. <laughs> Thank you very I much. I just think what would make Clive miserable, and I go from there. Scott's on Twitter. Don't underscore that on Scrap. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, guys. Good talk to you guys. Yeah, we were going to talk Champions League. Uh, the women drew 1-1, but they're still alive in it. But uh, Tim got called away to a meeting. So maybe just maybe we'll get a chance to chat with him uh, on the Arsenal Women Champions League tomorrow. But that is definitely something we're keeping our eye on. We love you. We'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, pals. No. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.